Last week we um, started a series. Um, I was just going to use a standalone, but we kind of got into this, and it's like this is there's some really powerful things here, and just it's just there's just a couple of messages that we're going to do on the on this book, the Haggai. I would I would invite you all to just spend time reading it. Maybe some of you have. Uh, I did receive a couple emails over the week, and uh, you guys kind of saying, "Wow, this is really cool. It's, it really spoke to me about my life." And you and you had that moment of self awareness where you said. I need to take a look at my life, and I and I feel as if that I've kind of gotten off point a little bit. Maybe not off point, but just kind of I, I, I'm spending a lot of my time focused over here, where God's saying, "Hey, you know, it's it, I need you to I need you to I need you to point yourself over here." And so I would invite each of you to spend some time in the book of Haggai. Haggai, uh, I've heard it pronounced various ways, but um, regardless, it's it's just a great book to remind us again of the movement of God. If you weren't here last week, I just want to summarize real quick. Uh, the nation of Israel was a very powerful nation at one point in time. Uh, they were, when King David was king, they were the nation to be feared. Um, all the other nations had heard of them. They were very fearful of them. Other nations that didn't have, uh, other nations feared Israel because of the God that Israel had. Anything, uh, when David was leading, I mean, he was a warrior. He was a, he was a warrior. Uh, he was also the king, but he, uh, they conquered, I mean, they were the, the, powers to be at that time i mean that was during the during king david's time the the nation was at their at the pinnacle i mean they were at the top and it was the it was the most revered time of the nation even uh, when you look at it today after king david died his son solomon took over the throne david wanted to build the temple uh god said to david this isn't for you to build you're a warrior you got blood on your hands uh this is going to be your sons and so solomon comes and he takes over the throne and he builds this temple for God. He builds God's house, literally not a, a, in a sense a house for God because we know that God resides in heaven, but it was a symbolic, um, it was a symbolic thing where the people looked at it and could, could, as they came in and worshipped at the temple, they, they, God's presence dwelt there and God manifested himself there to a certain degree and they felt God's presence. So, um, so it, was, it was extremely powerful for them to have this this representation of God here on earth, representing kind of like the tabernacle back in the Old Testament, more so. And so uh, the temple was built. Solomon spared nothing. I mean, this, this, it was absolutely ornate. I mean, it was just over the top. It was just absolutely beautiful, as it should be for, for, for God. And so as the story goes, Solomon dies. The, king, the kingship, the throne gets passed down. His sons literally take it and begin to divide. The, what happens is the kingdom's divided. Uh, they, the people come to Israel or come to the uh, to his son, and they say, "Look, we're willing to follow you, but you need to lighten up a little bit. Your dad really taxed us heavily, and if you don't lighten up, we're out of here. We're not going to follow." And so he they took he took that uh, counsel uh, and and kind of embraced it. And he came back and he said, "If you thought my father was bad, you just wait. You see what I have to do." And he taxed them harder. The people said, "That's it. We're done. We're out of here." So the nation literally divide into two halves or not quite two halves, but it divided in half, or divided, okay? And, and the nation was composed, If we, the whole story, the, the nation's composed of the 12 tribes, right? Ten went to the north, two go to the south. Um, both nations become very much into idol worship. They become very sinful. They become detached from God. They don't follow His ways. God sent prophets to them saying, listen, you need to turn. If you don't stop, this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, they didn't stop, and sure enough, exactly what God said was going to happen, happened. And so the nation literally becomes 
desolated. I mean, it just becomes desolated. And, and the tribes that went to the north, they get conquered by some other nations. And the tribes to the south, they get conquered as well. They get taken to Babylonian uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. That, that, remember that, whole, that, that guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, that king? He takes them over in three different waves. That's when Daniel was, uh, when we read about Daniel and, and the lion's den. And so they are over here in, in Babylon and they're in captivity. And God said, you're going to spend this amount of time. And he lays it out. Uh, X amount of years you're going to spend in the captivity. And so the story goes that the time came up and it was time for them to go back to their land. And they didn't want to go back because they had, they had grown accustomed to the ways of Babylon and they uh, enjoyed themselves and they, kind of, they had families and they, kind of, they intermarried with the Babylonians and they didn't want to leave. And so God said, okay, I'm going to tack on a few more years here. And so when all that's up, and it's time for them to come back to what's left of, of, of the Israel and the southern kingdom at that point in time. Uh, there's about 50,000 or so came back. And so as they come back, they're told to, to rebuild the house of God. So they begin to rebuild the temple because it's destroyed. It's absolutely devastated, just lying in ruins. And so some of these individuals, they didn't stay that long in Babylon in captivity, and some of these individuals had seen the first temple that Solomon had actually built. So you're only really talking like, you know, 60-some years, this whole span. So some of them lived long enough uh, to probably see this. Maybe even Haggai uh, was able to see what the, the, the original temple looked like and then what they were going to rebuild. And so last week we talked about that, remember? The whole story was they come back and they're saying, well, you know, we need... God says, look, why are you spending all your time in your houses? Why are you spending all your time building up your homes? What, what is it about your paneled houses, you know, and you're, and you're ignoring my house? Because as they started to build the temple, remember the whole story, they started building the temple and they, they met opposition. They became fearful. And they said, you know what? The heck with this. This is, I, this is, this is, I don't even want to do it. It's too hard, right? It's too hard. It doesn't make sense. I'm fearful. I, we're, we're up against opposition. Therefore, this, is, this must not be of God, so I'm just going to go over here and focus on myself. God sends Haggai to him, and he says this. He says, why are you spending all your time on yourselves? And so he gives them this charge to come back and build the temple. And so that's where we're at right now. Uh, he told them to do, and we'll talk about this here uh, very briefly, but he told them to go up to the mountain, right? Go up to the mountain. He, he gave them the directive of what to do. This is your plan. Go to the mountain, get the wood, bring it down and build my house. Those three steps. Go to the mountain, get the wood, build my house. And so that was their charge. And so God, uh, God begins to do this work, but, but nevertheless, they become discouraged. Today I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about that discouragement part. Okay? I want to talk to you about how we get derailed at times because we get discouraged and, and look at it through through the lenses of, of this, this group of individuals that was called to do something by God, but they got discouraged. That's very much a 21st century life application, right? How many times have we put our hands into something and we said, you know what, I'm discouraged now, I, I'm going to go off, I'm distracted now, I'm done. It's, there's too much opposition here, there's fear, uh, we let fear kind of consume us. But um, what, what does God do uh, to, to what, you know, how, what, how does God look at this? And how does God help us through this particular point in time when he gives us a charge and we get, we get, get distracted, we get fearful, we meet opposition, and we kind of just sit on the sidelines? I, wanna, I want you to look at this first passage of Scripture found in uh, the uh, first chapter, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. 
And it says this, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. Now listen to what the Lord says. Listen to what God says. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people, that's the people that came back, this remnant, this portion of the people that went, this remnant comes back, and it says, the spirit of all the remnant of the people, the, 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 um, the Lord stirred up. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So God says this to him. I'm with you. I'm with you, declares the Lord. And then he does something. In addition to that, he stirs up their spirits. I am with you, and he stirs up their spirits. You see, this is what God does many times within our lives. If he has a charge for you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you, God has come to you. He's given you the word. He's get, well, however, I don't, however, you, however you word it, call it a revelation, Call it an epiphany. Call it a calling. I don't pick your title. Pick your word that resonates with you. That's God's. God's bringing that to you. God's brought that to you. He lays it on your heart. You begin to get stirred. You become very passionate about it. There, we are all passionate about things. The problem is, some of us will sit down and we start talking to each other. It's like, dude, your passion needs to be a little bit refocused, right? I mean, sometimes we can become extremely passionate about things. It's like, how are you so passionate about that? But when it comes to something with eternal implications, there's almost like apathy. But God lays these things in our hearts. Some of us are sitting here this morning, God laid something on our hearts years ago, and we may be wrestling, we may be still wrestling with it because we didn't really follow through with it. We got discouraged. We met opposition. And so we just kind of walked away. Now we're sitting on the sidelines, and, and we lose our joy. We get cantankerous we, we want to engage people in this 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 long debate about why we are no longer now held accountable by god by that stirring that he placed in your in your hearts here's the thing i'm not the one you got to convince other people aren't the people you got to convince God's the one that put that stirring in your heart. God's the one that reached deep into you. God's the one that ignited that. God's the one that planted that spark and inflamed it into passion to say, I want you to do this. This is your charge in life. This is your, this is your call. This is, your, this, is your, this is what I'm placing in there in your life, and this is who you are. This is what I've created you to be. That's between you and God. That is, that is completely between you and God. And... and, and and, and I hope what happens is you come to Element or, or, or get around people that attend Element is we become those individuals that fan that, that passion into flame, uh, that passion that God has laid upon your heart. But here's what happens. And this is what happened back here. Let's, re, let's go back to the story. This is what happened. These guys were like, absolutely we're into this. We're going we're gonna to rebuild this house for God. We're in this. And then what happens? A couple of weeks go by. One month went by. One month went by. Four weeks, right? One month goes by, and it's like, I'm done. I'm out. This is too hard. There's too much to do this. Uh, you know, and so they fizzled out. They had this, one of their big religious festivals, and they said, you know what? Let's sit down and really talk about this. This really... Come on. 
I think we're a bit overzealous with this. You know, let's let's pare this back a little bit. This this just isn't this. You know, and they begin to look around and they said, "This is pathetic. This is pathetic. This isn't what it used to look like." And so all of a sudden, everybody became discouraged. They become embarrassed. They're like, "Hey, we're we're trying to do our best. We're trying to do whatever we can to make this happen. It's just not happened." They were only a month into this, and this is what happened. Does this sound familiar? How many of us have made a New Year's resolution just a few weeks ago or last week or whenever, and we're already like, I'm done, I'm out. This is too much. You know what? Yeah, it's too nasty outside. I'm going to just roll over in bed now and just, you know, I'll take this Sunday off. Or, you know what, I really wanted to start this, but, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you name it. Fill in the blank. You name it. It's, uh... I remember one time uh, I was trying to do one of those, what were those drops? HGH drops? Is that what they were? Those, is that what they were? Uh, I'm asking him because Jeff was in on this too. He made it a little bit longer than I did. Are you guys familiar with the HGH drops? You know what I'm talking about? HCG. Yeah. You know what? That was the problem. I was taking human growth hormones. No wonder I'm so big. I'm a, I only weigh a buck twenty-five. Holy cow! He was sabotaging me. Whatever they were, they didn't work, right? So anyhow, these these. I was a well-informed consumer on this one. So, you know, it's those drops you take, and you're on a five hundred calorie five hundred calorie diet. You know what I'm saying? And, um, it, yeah, 500 calories, and it's like, that's, I mean, insane. And you take these drops. And if you take them, like, with 30 days, you can lose 632 pounds, okay? You can actually go in the negative, right? So um, I'm taking these and it's for 30 days, right? I get two weeks in. I'm head over heels into a box of Cap'n Crunch, all right? I'm like, there's no way. I mean, I'm like, I'm ready to eat the couch. I am so hungry. And then he's over here, oh, come on, man, we can do this, you know, which he did, Jeff actually did uh, make it through the third. I'm like, I, I'm like, this is crazy, you know what I mean? But, but that's how we get at times, right? That's how we get at times, man. We set that goal and we say, I'm going to do this. And it could be something kind of ridiculous like that, or it could be something that just God has laid on our hearts. God says, I, this is what I want. God stirs something up inside of us and we say, this is, this is it, man. This is what I've been called to do. This is my destiny. And for some reason, things don't go our way, or we sit, we sit, we sit, we, we, we sit, and we start evaluating it, and somehow our opinion trumps God's opinion. Right? Our opinion begins to say, hey, God, you don't know what you're saying. Oh, we would never say that. But yet, some of us are sitting in here today, we have destinies buried deep inside of us that are still buried deep inside of us because we got discouraged and we know more than what God knows. Because there's too much fear. There's too much opposition. If I do this, this stuff will happen. And we start writing the pros and cons down. We start doing all this stuff and we start using our mentality to rationalize and logically deduce through things, and we come to this, this position where we say, God, this isn't right. 
you surely made a mistake. And if you look throughout the Bible, there's men and women that had those same, exact same thoughts. Exact same thoughts. But then you read some of them who triumphed through them. They continued to place their faith and trust in God. And God did miraculous things to glorify Himself, not the person. One person I'm thinking of is Gideon. Remember that whole story? Gideon, you mighty warrior. Uh, I'm in a wine press threshing out wheat because I'm scared that the Midianites might come and kill me. And you're saying that I'm a mighty warrior. God has called you to do this. God has called you to be the leader of your nation to rise up against the Midianites and to conquer the Midianites. Yeah. Um, uh, I come from a family of losers, right? And, and you're, 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 read it. Read that story. He begins to rationalize why he shouldn't be in there. He throws his family under the bus. He throws all these things in there. But at the end, he says, you know what, I'll do this. And then God takes him through a journey that I wonder how many of us would sit, would stick to it. Where God starts paring down this whole army that he has. And you've read the story. And a lot of times that's the warm, fuzzy story we read about in church. But we would never attempt to do that out in the real world. Never. We would never attempt to do that. But some men and women do. And God uses them to bring himself incredible amounts of glory because it doesn't make sense. What do we do? Do we give up? Do we give in? I mean, I get that we get discouraged at times, but look what God says. Look what God says here. He says, he goes to Haggai, and he says, I, I need you to ask him this question, and it's found in verse, uh, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 3. And it's almost like God's trying to get at the like God's getting at the root of this of their discouragement. He's going to address it, and he says this. And we talked, we touched on it last week. He says, "Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now?" He's getting to the root. They're discouraged. They've given up, and now he's getting to the root of this discouragement. How many of you have? How many of you saw the house? in its former glory. How many of you saw it? And how many of you, when you saw now what do you see? And what he's doing, he's really kind of challenging them because there's two types of discouragement that we're going to look at very quickly today. And it's called comparisons and it's called lack of process or lack of progress. And that's what we do. We start down the whole line of comparing, okay? That's what we do. The first one's comparing. We start comparing things. We start looking around we start saying, you know what, I, this just isn't happening, man. This person over here is losing all this weight on whatever this, these drops are. Apparently, I don't have the right type, but I, this isn't me. I can't do this. Well, this church over here, man, they're doing all these great things. God's really blessing this church. Something's wrong with our church. How come we can't do this? How come we can't do that? How come this? How come that? You know, and it must be something wrong with our church. God, there must be something wrong. Something's going on. You know, I don't really want to contribute to, to, to kind of get into this, but I can certainly help you evaluate it, God. And let me give my two cents worth of what's wrong. And we begin to compare. One's right, and that's what we do, right? We've talked about this. We start demonizing, right? Someone's right, someone's wrong. I mean, in, in a situation, God says, God says this is what God lays this upon this person's heart. God lays well, this person's heart. If we disagree, someone's right and someone's wrong. I struggle with that. I struggle with that with every ounce 
of everything that I have because I think God's somewhere in the middle and there's something that God wants to do. And when you start comparing, it just gets us off the rails. And we get discouraged, right? Well, look at their kids. Their kids turned out right. My kids are over here eating the lint out of their navels, man. They're not even, I don't even know what's going on with my kids. They're gross. I told you the story about we went to that apple orchard one time and Lust takes Ryan in. It was a few years ago. Lust takes Ryan in to one of those porta potty things and she looks over and he's washing his hands in the urinal with the urinal cake, right? Thing it's a thing of soap. Don't call Child Protective Services, okay? It's happened to you guys too. I didn't get around the kid for like three weeks, man. I'm like, yeah. But but we compare. We compare churches. We compare kids. We compare the way we dress. We compare what this person drives. We compare occupations and careers. We compare, we compare everything. And what can happen so easily we become discouraged? Well, who am I? How come God's not blessing me? How come God's not blessing our church? How come God's not making our kids turn out okay? How come this is happening? How come that's happening? And before long, we just want to give up and we say, ah, heck with this. I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to, I'm going to divorce my wife or my husband. I'm going to get away from my kids. Whatever it is, we become discouraged and we begin to take these irrational decisions because we start rationally logically doing it ourselves instead of trusting in God, saying maybe God's the one that we need to trust in and start taking orders from Him. Why don't we do it His way? Why don't we have faith and just completely trust in Him and stop comparing? That's what these people were doing. Man, this looks nothing like the temple did back when I saw it. We're over here and this looks like chicken scratch. I don't want any part of this. I don't want anybody to associate my name with this. Because this is what it used to look like and we're, we're just doing And so that's exactly what they did. They got discouraged. They got very discouraged. And God's saying, why? Why are you discouraged? Did, some, did, did you see this back in the former days? And what do you think about this place now? And he's, really, he's challenging them. He's bringing it out and he's challenging them and he's getting them to look at it. Another one's lack of progress. You know, it's like, man, you know, we've been into this for a month. It's not going very well. A month. We've been into it for four weeks. It's not going very well, so let's give up. I wonder how many of us have done that. I wonder how many of us have set out um, you know, this year to say, these are some of the things that I'm going to really tackle. Uh, or, or in our spiritual lives, or whatever. We say, I'm going to really commit to this. I'm going to commit to, to really just really getting my life together in some various areas, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, these things. But as soon as something comes up, a few weeks come by, it's too hard. Oh, woe is me. I'm done. I'm giving up. And I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to come down hard. I don't hear me browbeat or anything like that. I'm in this with you. Okay? I'm in this with you. This is the stuff I experience too. And if we're not careful, we become deceived by the chief of all liars. And the next thing you know, everything makes sense of why we should quit. Everything makes sense of why we should think about why God's wrong on this or, well, someone didn't listen to God or I must have not have prayed right or I didn't do this right or that right, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up. And I just want to say, don't give up. Because what the question becomes, and I kind of jump to it, what do you do when you become that discouraged, when you're constantly discouraged? Last week God said this, 
He reminded them. And I love the way God works. You, it's God's, you know what? It, it, there's, there's, I get that the Word of God's complex and there's things about God we will never understand until we see Him face to face. I get that because we're human and we have finite minds. But have you ever just kind of sat down and just tried to view the Gospels in the simplicity of them? Like Jesus and His teachings? And when you peel back Jesus and just His teachings you can see that we as men and women make it really difficult. We add all this other stuff, whereas if we just did what Jesus said, that's hard enough, but that's, that's, the, that's the crux of it. Read some Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller has a book called The Reason for God. I love, this guy's in a gifted apologist, and he, he, he has a church in uh, uh, Man, Lower Manhattan, and he is able, he, and, I get, and I, get, I get that he's a gifted an apologist, but he is able to sit down with atheists or agnostics or what, whoever and, and is able to have a discussion with them in a very rational way and a very non-dogmatic way about the faith. And I love the way he, he, he words things because one of the things that, that, that's often thrown out there is how Christianity is violent or how the church is full of hypocrites or... Or, you know, um, all these other things where, where at certain times he kind of peels it back and says, but when you take a look at the author of all this, Jesus Christ, and the life that he lived, and what he's calling us to live, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's hard, but it makes sense. Here you have a guy that's saying, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. That doesn't sound very hostile, does it? That sounds very complicated. That sounds very hard. But... The point I'm saying is this, guys. There's times where I think we need to peel it back and we need to take a look at what God's plan is for our lives. And what His, what, when He calls us to do something, if we would just trust Him and follow Him. Last week, this is what He said. And I, I've already said it once. But this is what He said. Go up to the mountain. Get the wood. Build my house. Go up to the mountain. Get the wood. Build my house. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Now again, I get that we, we, can, we can muddy this up. But he comes at it and he says, this is what you need to do, these three things. I want to share a couple things with you. Um, Haggai, uh, verse 4 of chapter 2 says this, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. What's the common theme here? Be strong. And then he says this, Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, very quickly, I just want to take a look at two things here. Be strong and work. Be strong and work. And here's the, here's the, here's the beauty of all this. God's not asking you to be strong out of your humanness. God's not asking you to, to go at this with your human capabilities to, man, I've got to muster everything up that I've got to be strong. See, that's where we start failing. God has already put inside of His children, His followers, He's already put inside of us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Are you telling me that we can't be strong? The same power, Paul writes, that dunamis, the power, that the same word that we get dynamite, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that God places in each side of His believers. For someone to say that I don't have the ability to do this, you're correct. You don't have the ability to do this. But God has planted inside of you every ounce of power that can make this happen. 
you're not even tapping into it. You're not even scratching it. You're not even in the vicinity. You're not even the same area code of it. We have the power to be strong. We have the power to be strong and to continue to move forward. Paul writes about this. I mean, you know, God constantly, even in his writings, but God constantly is, is saying, you know, be strong. Trust in me. Jesus and his teachings. Trust in me. Stay connected to the vine. Why do you think it's so critical for us to stay connected to the vine? Go back in the Gospel of John and read John 15. Stay connected to the vine. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay connected to the vine. Which leads to um, kind of a, a this kind of leads to one of those simple business truths in our world that we say, well, that's just business. Here's the thing. I, Leonard Sweet used to talk about this. Uh, he used to talk about how the how the business world, the secular world, has stolen truth from the from the Word of God, and now we won't even go out and get it. And it's like. We need to reclaim what is the Word of God as Christians. Just because they stumble into truth doesn't mean that they're the author of it. God's the author of truth, right? Truth is truth. Stay consistent. <laughs> Stay consistent in it. The, the people that are successful in the world are people that are consistent. They're consistent in it, and they stay true to what they, what they, are, what they are about, what has brought them success. It's, it's the, the Word of God teaches it. Stay consistent. Stay in the Word of God. Stay attached to the vine. Stay connected to Him. Let Him flow through you. Let Him be the one. Tap into that power. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 6, 9. He says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Guys, what is that saying to you? Is that a secular concept that we can't use? That's the Word of God telling us to do what? Stay consistent. <laughs> Stay consistent. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Encourage one another. Keep each other moving on. Spur each other along on this and stay consistent in doing good because at, in God's time, it's going to come together. But it's God's time. It's not our timing. It's God's time. And he also says, or and again, in, in, in our passage, be strong. Do the work. Be strong. Do the work. Keep laying it out there. Keep doing it. Keep keep consistent in what we're what we're doing. As the worship team comes back, I want to close with a just. I, I just want to share with you a couple more thoughts here, very quickly. I want you guys to understand that. Everything that we do, everything that you do, staying consistent and trusting in God, being strong, doing the work, laying, the, laying that next stone, not getting discouraged with God's work, but staying consistent and saying, this is what God has called me to. This is what God has called us to. This is where God's moving. This is what God has stirred up in our hearts. This is what God has stirred up in my heart. Guys, do you realize that everything you do when you stay consistent, when you keep doing the right thing, when you keep doing the thing that God has called you to do, do you realize the glory that that brings God? It, it, everything that we, it brings God glory. Every step we put in place, everything that we put in there, every effort that we put in, even, even if it doesn't feel right at times, 
it brings ultimately brings God glory. And God has placed inside of each and every one of us the power. And as we close, this whole thing was like a foreshadowing of what was to come. They're building a temple over here, this external temple, right? They're building this external temple back in the Old Testament times. You and I live in the New Testament. You and I live in the New Testament when Jesus, remember the woman at the well when he encountered the woman at the well? And, and he starts he starts digging deep into her life and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She tries to change the subject and she starts talking about worshiping. Well, my people say that we're going to worship over here and your people say you're going to worship over there. And what does Jesus tell her? One of these days, the physical stuff doesn't matter, right? Because you're going to be worshiping in truth and in what? Spirit. Back here, them building the temple, and this is where they went to, to worship and do their sacrifices and all that stuff. That was a foreshadowing of what was to come. We live on the other side of the cross. Jesus obliterated all of that. The temple is now inside of each and every one of us. We are the house of God. So what, how we could look at this, in a sense, is how are you doing in building the te- your temple? Just like back here, are you, are you getting discouraged? Or are you laying the block? Are you laying, are you going to the mountain? Are you getting the wood? Are you bringing it back? And are you building the house that God dwells in? For you, each and every one of us has that. You're, you're a te- if you're a, if you're God's child, if you placed your faith and trust into Jesus Christ, He now dwells inside of you. Of you, how are you at building that house? Are you focused more on other things? Are you focused more on the things that you want? Are you focused more on your desires? Are you discouraged? Have you given up? Have you said this is too tough? Have you said, this is ridiculous, I don't want to do this anymore? Have you found every possible rationalization of why you are exempt from this? Or are you saying, I'm going to be strong. I've got the power of God living inside of me. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay strong. I'm going to involve involve myself in places where I'm going to stay charged up. I'm going to involve myself in resources and and in things that's going to fuel staying encouraged. God has a message for you this morning. I pray that you received it. I pray every one of us would leave this room with our hearts absolutely stirred up and not in a negative way, but in a positive way where we leave these doors and we're ready to charge the gates of hell. Because we were in the presence of the King. We collectively came together and brought God glory. And maybe today's a day where it's time to confess, to say, I'm off point. I'm off point. I need to confess. I've been living, I've been building the panel house. Maybe today's the day where you respond to God and God rekindles and stirs up that flame that He put in you. It's not, it hasn't left, it's still there. Maybe today might be the first time that you start building your temple and you have this relationship with God. I pray that every single one of us would respond today the way God would have us to respond. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and and, and, and again, the stuff you're hearing, you've been guarding this stuff because you know how easy it is to be deceived. 
And I just, I need you to pray for others that are struggling. Please, in your heart, pray that God will be glorified and that people will respond to His call for their lives. I want to close with a word of prayer and I want to sing a couple more songs like we do. But I pray that you would just use this time again to bring God glory and to possibly get things straightened out in your life so that as you leave here, man, you've got a new stirring taking place. So won't you stand with me? Let me let me lead us to the word of prayer. Father, uh, when we read these stories back in the Old Testament, it's so easy to get distracted and discouraged, just like they did. It's so easy that when we fear opposition, when we when we when we experience opposition, we have this fear begins to consume us. Fear begins to sweep over us. We begin to fear overwhelmed. We begin to we begin to have this this sense of doubt. We can certainly relate with that from a human perspective. But Father, those of us those of us that have placed our faith and trust in you, we have we have the power that you placed inside of us. And I pray right now that you would just stir our hearts here today. You would stir every one of our hearts in here this morning. Just for some of us, making us burn even brighter and harder. For some, maybe it's going to rekindle that. For some, you're going to put that flame in there for the very first time. I pray wherever we're at that we would, each of us would respond the way we would, that you would want us to respond, the way that you would desire for us to respond. Help us to leave here encouraged. Help us to leave here just absolutely excited, regardless of what's going on in our temporal lives here that's going to all dissipate one of these days. And we're going to live eternity with you. Help us to just have that new sense of, of, of being ignited. And I pray that, again, that it all is about you and that we'll ultimately bring you glory. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior.